I just want to extend my welcome to all of you this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Linda, and I'm part of the church family here at St. John's Southend. Um, and it's my absolute pleasure this morning to share with you as we start a new sermon series, which we've entitled The Global Gospel. Now, we're going to spend, which is in my opinion, um, we're going into one of the best books of the Bible in this series, the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts was written by Luke to a person called Theophilus, which means God-lover or lover of God. And I think that we can safely assume that this book is addressed to all of us who love God or who are seeking God in some way. So before we open up the scriptures together, I just want us to pray together. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you that all our lives take place in your sight. Nothing is hidden from you. You know everything about us. You know when we sit and when we rise. You perceive our thoughts from afar and are familiar with all our ways. As we open your word, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to understand, reflect, and apply all that we read in the scriptures. Would you open our hearts to receive from you? And would you be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you'll need a Bible if you'd like one today. So we've got the welcome team. If you put your hand up, they'll bring a Bible to you. Um, thanks, guys. They're all just, thank you. As I said, we're going into the book of Acts. And we are going to be in Acts chapter 2, reading from verses 41 to 47. If you want the Bible, just wave it, just put your hand up because they're coming along now. And our reading will be on page 1094. Thank you. Okay. So page 1094. Acts chapter 2, and we're reading from verses 41 to 47. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day, the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm sure that we have all heard the phrases, charity begins at home. Look after number one. 
Me, myself, and I. And my favorite one, they even sell sashes you can wear with this one on, which I bought about a year ago, actually. I don't know if you can see it. It's all about me. They sell these. If anybody wants one, pound shot. It's all about me. But that's not what we see in our reading. What we see in the book of Acts is a group of people moving from individualism to community. Now, I wonder if you feel a bit like me, slightly challenged by that reading um, today. And to be perfectly honest, how on earth could we live like that today? It's said in our reading that the believers were always together, shared their stuff with one another. They ate together and even sold their possessions to give to their brothers and sisters who were in need. When I read this again this week, the verses kind of concerned me a little bit, actually. Um, we've all read about utopian communities, communes, cults, which can become quite controlling and sinister and often end with fatal results. Or maybe on the flip side, you might be thinking, oh, that's a really lovely story in the Bible this morning. That's really great for the first believers, but surely this can't be relevant to us today. This morning, I want us to look at just two things, really. Firstly, the distinctiveness of the early church, and secondly, what this new family means for us today. So, our reading describes the first church of Jesus Christ, a church whose number increased by 3,000 people in a single day. So what happened, you may be thinking? Well, what happened was the Apostle Peter preached what must have been the best sermon of his life. He spoke with boldness, clarity, confidence and understanding about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people that were listening must have thought to themselves, this is too good to be true. Can anybody and everybody really share in the divine life in Jesus? Well, 3,000 people heard the message about the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that day. And when they heard that message, they had a reaction. And their reaction was this. They repented of their sins, they were baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit. Then in our reading, Luke goes on to give us a little glimpse about you know, what everyday life looks like for those early believers. So I'm gonna just share what that looks like, just their everyday life. These new believers, were from, well, they were global. It says in the Bible that these 3,000 were from every nation under heaven, a multi-racial community who enjoyed wonderful unity across ethnic boundaries. Can you imagine? This is the sort of, you know, the church growth that I'm sure lots of us long for and pray for. 
I just want to look again at verse 44 of our reading, which should come up on the screen. Here we see the following words. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I just want to add here that this isn't communism. The believers gave voluntarily. They were not compelled by any governing bodies to give up their stuff. In actual fact, they still retained some personal possessions, it says in the Bible. But their voluntary generosity was commendable. The other thing that you notice in our reading, the believers were defined by a state of togetherness, physically and spiritually. They wanted to be together. And when I read through that this week, it was as if they couldn't get enough of each other. And I don't know about you, but um, whenever I'm away from this church family, if I'm sick, if I'm serving somewhere else, or if I'm on holiday, I miss it terribly. I don't care what country we're in, we're getting on the live stream. I will pay for roaming data, yeah, because I don't want to miss out on what's going on here. Um, and maybe you've experienced that too. I had a message from Mary this morning. She's missing us, yeah? The new family, which we are all a part of, is Christ's rescue mission to the whole world. And I feel it's distinguished by four features. So can we just look at verse 42 again of our reading? The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So let's look closely at this. Firstly, this new family is a learning family. The early believers continually and faithfully devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles taught them everything that Jesus had taught them in the three years he was with them. And they also taught about the instructions that Jesus gave between the 40 days of his resurrection and ascension. Jesus gave some critical information and that's what the apostles taught to everybody else. Essentially, the early church knew what to believe. They knew what God had done through his son, Jesus Christ. And they also knew what the personal response is for those of us that are redeemed. Secondly, in our reading, we see that this family, this new family, is a loving family. The early believers were in fellowship with one another, and this was a community where every single person participated. You couldn't avoid people in this community. The believers shared what they had with one another. They shared their money, their food, their possessions, and they gave to the most needy who was among them. This was a caring and loving family where people experienced a sense of belonging and inclusion. And they all shared in the grace of God together. And thirdly, this new family was a worshipping family. They publicly worshipped together, breaking bread together, eating meals together with joy and generous hearts. And in that, we see a commitment to Christ and a commitment to one another. 
And fourthly, this new family was a praying family. The early believers were continually, that's what it says in the Bible, continually and faithfully devoted to prayer. And in verse 46 of our reading, it tells us that these new believers met every day in the temple courts. So in summary, the early church was formed by people who'd responded to the apostles' teaching, and they became a revolutionary global community. They were united together, eating together, praying together, and breaking bread together, continually remembering that Jesus Christ had died for them and had saved them. The early believers understood this key thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is both the message and the new way of life. And you can't have one without the other. This family was different. It was distinct. It was groundbreaking. This new family literally turned the world upside down. Now, I'm sure if I was there, I might have been like one of those onlookers who couldn't understand it. Why is this group so self-giving, generous, devoted to one another? I mean, they're not even blood-related, are they? Literally, God just got a bunch of strangers together to make this new family. So why did this new family behave this way? Well, I think the new family, like many of us sitting in this room, I'm sure, had been so impacted by the giver of life, they'd received God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's loving kindness. They just couldn't help but reflect the giver of all these gifts. And I think it's why they were literally compelled to behave in a different way. They reflected the image of our saviour, Jesus Christ, by becoming like him, how he was, how he lived. Now, I have a spoiler alert here. I love my, my children. They give me these terms. Spoiler alert, okay? The first church was not perfect. It had its failures and it had its blemishes. And if you keep reading through the church, the book of Acts, you will see many of these failures and blemishes time and time again. However, Jesus can deal with our mistakes, our failures, our blemishes. He deals with all of it. And we saw in verse 47 of our reading that despite the early church's failings, the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And when I read that, I just asked myself one question. How was this even possible? There is an engine driving this new family, and he is the third person of the Trinity, and his name is Holy Spirit. So what does this mean for us today, the new family of believers, right here, right now? Well, first of all, we need to look back before we can look forward. 
Now, Jesus gave instructions to his followers just before Pentecost, and I'm going to share them with us now. He told them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the word baptized just means the presence of Holy Spirit in a person, filling that person, coming upon that person, or anointing that person. Jesus told these early believers, or his disciples, that when the Holy Spirit came on them, they would receive power. And this power is for a purpose. They would receive power to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ. And you may remember, if you're familiar with your Bible, which I'm sure all of us are in here, that before his death, Jesus spoke to his followers about Holy Spirit. And we see all of that recorded for us in the Gospel of John. And the fact that Jesus told them, he said, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm gonna send another person to be with you. So don't worry, I'm not leaving you as orphans, I'm gonna send someone else. Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus is a person. And Jesus came, didn't he? And he spent those years with his disciples. He came alongside his disciples. They knew him, they knew what he looked like, they knew what he smelt like, they knew the color of his eyes, they could touch Jesus. Just imagine that, Jesus being with his disciples. He was human. In his humanity, he was really, really human. And although invisible to us, Holy Spirit is a person, a real person, and he is God in action on the earth today. Now, I'm going to do a little quick summary through the book of Acts here. The book of Acts is all about what Jesus continued to do from heaven through his apostles. Okay, so Jesus has gone, he's with the Father, but he's working on the earth. He was through the apostles working on the earth. So Jesus continues his work from heaven through the apostles, and Jesus continues his work today through us, the new family of believers, by his Holy Spirit. The work hasn't stopped, it hasn't changed. Holy Spirit has not left the church. And we know this because it's over 2,000 years ago, and here we are, sitting in St. John's South End today, still being church. It's Holy Spirit that enables us to be the new family of believers. So how can we apply this in our day-to-day -day life together, in our context? Now, you might not agree with this statement, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I truly believe that every person on the earth whether they know it or not, is longing to know and to be known. Longing to love and to be loved. Longing to be in relationship because Almighty God made us this way. The new family is one where we can all live together in meaningful relationship with other people. And it's the kingdom of God that makes that possible for us to come together in community where people are loved and known.
Every single one of us sitting here knows that this is not easy. It doesn't always work, yeah? I've, I've said it once before about sandpaper, and some of us are sandpaper to one another. You know, I'm sandpaper to people. However, it is illogical to be an unchurched Christian. You can only be a Christian in community because that's how he designed it. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he left behind a body of believers of which we're a part. He didn't leave behind a social club, a group of people that just share similar interests. In actual fact, I would even go as far to say that what I think Jesus left behind was more like a hospital where we can take care of one another and tend to one another. And when we think of the new family here at St. John's, we see that we're a learning family. I hope you'd agree that we, we actually preach the scriptures every Sunday. We open up the word of God in this place and during the week in our different groups. So St. John's South End is a learning family. I pray and hope you agree that we're a loving family or we're at least getting there. We're trying to be that loving family where everybody is welcomed and cared for and connected in somehow to one of the different groups or something that we run here during the week. And if you're sitting here today or listening online and you're not feeling connected, please reach out to one of us, speak to one of us, speak to Mike, speak to Steve and Fiona. They're heading up our midweek groups and they will make sure that you get connected in somewhere. We're a loving family because we believe in what's going on here in this, in this part of South End. Many of us give financially to St. John's South End. And as Mike said in the notices, we need to continue to do that. We need to increase doing that, or maybe even start doing that to maintain and advance the ministry that God has got planned for this place, and also to put the heating in this place. We're a worshipping family. I think we see that every single week, Sunday by Sunday, when we gather together, we're a worshipping family. And we're also a praying family. We've got opportunities to pray in this place every second of every single day. We have a prayer WhatsApp. People can literally pray every second of every day in this place, in this church family. You can pray on Tuesday morning, 7.30, Thursday evening, eight o'clock, after this service. And it's funny, one of the things that I was thinking this morning was we should do something new today and start praying for each other. And then June bought that in that slot this morning. So, you know, we can pray for each other every day, maybe wake up every day and just pick a different, a random person in the church family and pray. And you don't even need to know what's going on for them because God knows. There is life here at St. John's South End and we are really thankful to God and it really is glory to God. Week by week, there are new people that come through that door every single week into this church. But I have a little challenge and an encouragement for us. It's a question I asked myself this week. Who's missing from this church family? 
and where are they? And how can we invite them to join us here at St. John's South End? The early church was distinct, and I believe we're distinct. I really sincerely believe that here. The same Holy Spirit that exploded at Pentecost and formed the first church is the same Holy Spirit that's still at work here in this church right now. Because the strength of the church does not come from our human efforts. It comes from the divine presence of Holy Spirit. The church is not a man-made institution. It's been instituted by the Lord, and we're his body, and he's the head. And I really do pray that we remain confident and really steward well the precious faith that we've got. As I close, I just want to remind us of one of my favorite stories, which are in, it's encouraging, but it's also one of my favorites, so hopefully you'll indulge me, in Acts chapter nine. It's the story when we see Saul of Tarsus, that zealous Pharisee, he's aggressively attacking the followers of Jesus Christ. And for those of you that know this story, Jesus intercepts Paul on the Damascus road. And Jesus sends this blinding light from heaven. It hits Paul in the face and he falls to the floor. And that amazing? I think that's just fantastic. They can't even make films that good now. Jesus then confronts Saul with this question. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus didn't say to Saul, 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 why are you annoying and killing Christian people? He said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus intimately identifies with his followers. He intimately identifies with this new family because he established it. To attack the church is to attack Jesus Christ himself. Church family, we really have nothing to fear. And I pray that we will be bold witnesses that turn this world and this city upside down in our generation. Remembering always, we are in the winning side. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just gonna pray for us and I'll invite the band back up as well. Um, Father, we do just thank you for the wonderful example of the early church who continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Christian fellowship, breaking of bread and earnest prayer. And I pray that we would continue to follow their example. We thank you, Father, for the precious gift of Holy Spirit and we ask that we would experience more of the person and the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would fill us, your people, your children, you would pour your spirit out upon us and fill us to overflowing so we can do the work of the gospel. And we ask that the peace, the power, and the presence of Jesus, Lord of the church, would fulfill his purposes in and through us for his name's sake 
and for his glory. Amen.